Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission and are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word and that through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. We're going to read several verses from this passage. Uh, if you haven't been around church very much, uh, I guess if, if you have been around church quite a bit, it's not long before you hear someone who is going to relate this scripture. And I want to talk to us tonight about the before principle. And uh, so we're going to start reading here in Joshua chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Uh, and Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, you shall, go, you shall remove from your place and go after it. And there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. Verse 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Skipping down to verse 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan that the feet and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, which is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jordan. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan." Amen. Let's pray together tonight and ask God's blessing upon his word. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your grace. Lord, certainly you've been very good to us, and we don't have much to complain about, God. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, I ask your blessing upon living hope, upon the body of Christ tonight, upon our nation, upon people all around us. God, we lift up the name of Jesus. We magnify you tonight. You are greater, God, than we. You're greater, Lord, than even we know or understand. Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over the Staten and Dunn family, God. We pray your hand of protection upon them. We pray your blessing upon them. We pray for your comfort in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Um, normally, we would tell you you could be seated, but hopefully you can just look down at your fuzzy slippers and know that you already are in your recliner. I'm speaking specifically to Brother Silvati because I know he's in that big, that big oversized recliner right now. I want to talk to us tonight about the before principle. Before is a, a preposition uh, 
that's used in the English language to describe the period of time preceding a particular or a specific event, date, or time. So we understand what before means. Requirements must be met before you're allowed to graduate. Labor, it has to happen before the birth of a child. My mother taught me that you should always vacuum before you dust. I think we kind of get that, right? And my wife told our children over and over and over again, brush your teeth before you go to bed. You get the principle. You get the point, right? And so this before principle manifests itself in everyday life and in our spiritual life. We understand that there are battles before victory. We get the idea that there's struggle that's got to happen before we can celebrate, that there are steps that must be taken before the arrival, that there is practice that has to happen again before the perfection. And so preparation happens before completion. And so this is all, this is all great. This is all wonderful, right? But over and over in Scripture, we see this pattern repeated. All throughout the Bible, the Israelites had to march to the Red Sea, right, before God would part it. We understand that. We understand that Naaman had to go down and dip or wash seven times in the Jordan River before God would cure him of his leprosy. Gideon, that great mighty man, had to reduce his army from 32,000 all the way down to 300 before God would deliver him from the Midianites. The loaves and the fishes were given to Jesus before he began to break and multiply them, right? Peter had to obey Jesus and launch out into the deep water one more time before he would be that author or that fisherman with the epic boatload of fish. And so Joshua chapter 3 describes for us the nation of Israel is they're coming to the Jordan River. You, uh, you are probably familiar with this, with this verbiage here. They're, they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. And so chapter 3 is describing for us the before events, those things that are happening right, right as they're getting ready to move across the river. And so it's showing us this specific period of time that's preceding Israel's miraculous transition from the extraordinary provision of the wilderness into the great land of promise. And so tonight, very very quickly, I want to share with us three specific aspects of this before principle. So let's look at the first one. Joshua chapter 3, we read this. The Bible says that they lodged there in verse 1 before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went throughout the host. And so the first principle of before, the first thing that we've got to do in order before we can before we can move from provision to promise is we've got to wait. And I'm just going to pause there in a moment and just let you understand because uh, I, I, Sister Monk was helping me with something this morning and she said, Brother Roberts, I don't think I'm going to like this lesson. She saw that word wait as being one of my points and one of my topics, right? And so that first preceding period of time before they move from provision into promise they have to face a wait and so more often than not you know this to be true we've got to wait before we can move ahead with God waiting is the first fundamental before principle 
And so we kind of grasp this. We kind of get this as the children of God. For 40 years, they waited. They waited for an entire generation to die. They waited while the promise was delayed because of the unbelief of their moms and their dads and their grandparents. And now here they are camped with the destination in sight, and God tells them one more time, you have got to wait. I, I, I can imagine, I, I'm certain of this, that they were not happy campers. Forty years is a long time to wait for anyone, for anything. But now they're told one more time, you've got to wait. And so our perspective is, well, it's just three more days. I mean, you know, in, scope of, in the scope of waiting for 40 years, it's just, it's just three days. It's just 72 more hours. But the reality is, the truth is that not one of us like to wait. Can I say of living hope? Can I say of Jeff Roberts? Can I say of whoever might be watching me tonight that waiting is not most of our strong suits? We tend to be horn honkers. We like things cooked in the microwave because it's faster. We want next day shipping, right? We want fast food and we want it now. We we, are, we, we walk through Walmart and we look for the express lane. I've seen you count the number of things in your cart to see if you've got 20 or less because you want to get in that, because you don't want to wait. And the, the reality is, the truth is that sometimes God just looks at us and says, you've just got to wait. And I, I know I can say this. Uh, without any fear or, or any reservation tonight because the only pastor and Matt can even give me that dirty look, but we're just spoiled Americans. We're impatient, and as a rule, we just don't want to wait. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel, but I know how I feel when you show up to the restaurant and they say it's a 45-minute wait. Well, I've changed my mind. I don't want that type of food now, right? And then... If you wait the 45 minutes because everywhere else is going to have a 45-minute wait, when you get there, the food is ultimately going to take a lot longer than you think it should because we don't like to wait. But perhaps you're the model of, you're the model of patience. You're, you're, you're the persona of virtue, which I am not. And so waiting is the hardest part of trusting and so here they are. They, you would think that these people who had spent 40 years, they had spent their entire life walking through the desert, understanding what the provision of God and the blessing of God is. You would believe that they understood what it was to wait because waiting really is the most difficult part of trusting. I would go even a step further that waiting is the most arduous aspect of the before principle. That's easy for me to say. But as the people of God, we know, we understand this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I mean, if anybody gets this, we do. If anybody understands this, we do. And, and, and yet at the same time, we have somehow in the back of our mind, we get the feeling that waiting is wasting time. Can I tell someone tonight that waiting with God is never wasting time, even if it feels like it? To all my Fellow veterans out there, anyone who served in the military, let me put it this way, hurry up and wait. But we live by the adage, don't just stand there, do something. That's because we're doers. We like to do that. But God looks at the church. He looks at us as people and says, don't just do something, stand there. The Apostle Paul told 
the New Testament church, when you've done all to stand, stand. Just keep standing there, right? And the reality is that we want God's resources, but we don't like his timing. We want the promise, but we don't want to wait for it. And so what happens is we forget that the work that God is doing in us while we're waiting is just as important as whatever we've been waiting for. I know they waited 40 years for unbelief to die off. And so to me, I'm asking myself, how long does it take for unbelief to die? Well, apparently it takes 40 years. But David, in the 39th Psalm, he considers the futility of life in Psalms 30, 39, verses 6 and 7. He says, surely every man walketh in a vain show. They're, surely they're, they're disquieted in, in, in vain or in vanity. He, he, say, he talks about humanity. He said, he heapeth up riches, and he knoweth not who shall gather them. And he continues in verse 7. He says, and now, Lord, what wait I for? What am I waiting for? What's going on here? Why am I waiting? I don't understand this. I, what, what a crazy question. What, you know, here we are sitting here in the middle of a uh, pandemic and everybody's quarantined and nobody can go anywhere and no one can do anything. And, and you get up and you hit the microphone, Brother Roberts, and you say, you need to hurry up and wait. Because let me give you just a couple of reasons for that. Waiting means that I'm giving God the benefit of the doubt. Isn't that interesting how that we'll give each other the benefit of the doubt more often than we'll give the Lord the same thing? Waiting means that I trust that he knows what he is doing. Those are, those are difficult things to understand. Those are difficult principles to put in our spirit because I really don't like to wait. I mean, I'm okay. Some days I, I'm more patient than others, and some days I have no patience at all. But waiting is God's way of looking into our spirit, into our soul, to see if we are able to trust him in order or before we move forward. Can I remind somebody of Jesus' last words to the disciples in Acts chapter 1? He tells them in verse 4, don't you leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. I wish I could tell you something different, but as I began to look at the scripture and began to, the Lord began to speak this into my spirit, you know what? Waiting is just part of the process. Because here's the reason why waiting reminds me that I am not in charge. When we get to these crossing moments of life, we're not just waiting around, but we're waiting on God. I want to encourage somebody tonight. I want to encourage you somehow that sometimes the most difficult thing you're ever going to do is wait, but waiting teaches us that we can trust his timing and we can trust his wisdom. Do I, do I wish that things were different, that circumstances were different? I do, and I know that you do, but I tell you this, wait on the Lord. Because they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew strength. While you're waiting, renew your strength. While you're waiting, allow God to strengthen you and encourage you and uplift you because waiting is part of God's process. The second part of the before principle, waiting is that first fundamental principle. But the second one, is found in verse 5, and Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The second principle that I want to talk to, talk to us about tonight, the second before principle, is consecration. 
I, I like the wording there. He says, tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders. Not today, there's for all you waiters, right? But tomorrow, again, we see that, that, that before principle. And the reason for that is, is that sanctification takes time. Now, Joshua commands the people to sanctify themselves. So, Brother Roberts, if he commanded them to sanctify themselves, then why did you make the before principle consecration? Well, that's a very good reason. And I'm glad that somebody in that camera lens asked me that question tonight. Consecration and sanctification are all part of the same work of God. But consecration is our part. Consecration is when we choose to devote ourselves to God's work. This is our part. But sanctification is the process of being set apart and separated from sin and being made holy. This is God's part. And so consecration is part of sanctification. But I can't sanctify you and you can't sanctify me. Only God can sanctify us. But consecration is a deliberate decision that I make before the promise is ever going to be fulfilled in my life. Consecration is the point at which I become invested in what God wants to do in my, in my life and through my life. You see, sanctification is always a part of God's plan for your life. Can I tell someone that no matter what God calls you to do or what God leads you to do, if it doesn't involve sanctification and consecration, it's really not of God. If you're going to be used of God, there has to be a setting apart. There has to be a sanctification. And so what are you talking about? I'm talking about, but in order for sanctification to work, it takes time. In this case, it was three days. In your case, it might take five minutes or ten minutes or ten days or ten years. I don't know because it's God's timing. And so we always have to consecrate ourselves today before the blessing of tomorrow. They had to consecrate themselves in the place of provision in order to be sanctified to walk into the land of promise. God always calls his people to holiness, purity, and separation. It doesn't matter if you agree with it or you don't agree with it. If God's going to use you, he's going to call you that. And so for the Israelites on the edge of Jordan, this meant for them a washing, a washing with water and practicing some ceremonial rites that would make them clean. They needed to flush their minds. They needed to wash the filth and the dirt that had accumulated from travel and years of all of that stuff of living in the wilderness. But the truth is that in every age, anyone who's going to approach God must do so with clean hands and a clean heart and clean feet, and blameless minds. I would tell us tonight that the church, whether we're sitting on our living room couches or dining room table, or we're in this building tonight, one of the most prolific things we need to do as the people of God is to choose again every day to consecrate ourselves. You see, they were about to enter into the Holy Land. This was the fulfillment of a promise, but not just the fulfillment of a promise, but this was a multi-generational promise, a land that was filled with promise. And they were getting ready not just to enter in, but they were getting ready to do the work of God. Somebody hear what I'm talking about. Think about this. Every time in Scripture that God shows up, people recognized that was a holy place. They began to take off their shoes. They fell prostrate in, in humility. They wouldn't even lift their eyes up according to the Bible. And so when God said, sanctify yourselves, it was his way of saying only holy people are going to occupy my holy land. 
I know it's not popular. Waiting is not popular in 2020, but I'll tell you what, consecration is probably even less popular. If you're going to do something in the kingdom of God, it's going to involve some consecration. It's going to involve the work of sanctification. I want to take a little bit of literary liberty tonight. If I were writing, if we were writing the verse 5 of Joshua chapter 3 in the English, we would insert the word. He says, consecrate yourselves or sanctify yourselves. I would insert there today because the Lord is going to do wonders among you tomorrow. This, this before principle, again, comes to the forefront in, in our minds when we begin to think about this consecration, the need for holiness, the need for purity, the need for separation, it always comes before the blessing of tomorrow, not the other way around. It has to happen before the miracle happens. Somehow our humanity thinks that, that, that if God will bless me, then I'll get my life right. It doesn't work that way. It never works that way. The precedent in Scripture is that holiness always precedes honor. Cleanliness always comes before usefulness, and penance happens before power. One of the great results of consecration, and I love this because I know some people struggle with this at points in their walk with God, but consecration, one of the great results is that you're going to know things that other people do not know or cannot know. Hear me now. Consecration positions us to hear and to receive from God. I love to receive from God. I, I hope you do. I'm, I'm sure we all do. When God pour, begins to pour out that manifold blessing, I, I want part of that, right? But consecration also involves hearing from God. And so sometimes I think in, in 2020, if we're not careful, we'll let the pastor or the preacher or the teacher or the leader hear from God. And all we want to do, we want to be like the people at the mountain say, don't talk to us again, God. We just want to hear from Moses. But how, what would happen if God could speak to you and fulfill promise in your life? Because the reality is that consecration is a choice. It's a choice to dedicate and to devote my life or your life for a specific purpose. 2 Kings chapter 2, the scripture tells a story about Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah is getting ready to go up into heaven in a whirlwind. And Elisha is, is his servant. And Elijah says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me on an errand to Bethel. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But Elijah said, no, no, I'm devoted to you. I'm consecrated. I've got a, a call of God on my life. You remember when you walked up to me, Elijah, and you cast that mantle upon me, and, and I, I killed the oxen, and I cut up the plow, and I burned it. I, I, made, a, I made a choice to consecrate my life, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And so Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. He said, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And so the Bible says they went on, they went on together to Bethel. And then, now here's, I'm bringing this back around to that point. A group of prophets from Bethel come up to Elisha. And they said, hey, did you know the Lord's going to take your master away from you today? And Elijah says, yeah, I know. Now, shut up. Be quiet. I don't want to hear that from you, right? 
And again, the Bible says, Elijah and Elisha, Elisha says to, uh, to Elijah, says to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me on an errand to Jericho. And Elisha, again, remembering that devotion, remembering that consecration, he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I'm not going to leave you. So according to the word of God, they went on to Jericho. And again, a whole group of prophets from Jericho, they come up to Elisha, who is hearing things. Hello? Somebody getting the point here? Listen, it's not only going to position you, but you're going to begin to hear things. And they said, did you know God's going to take your master from you today? And Elisha says, yes, I know. Now keep quiet. In, in good 2020 vernacular, shut up. And Elijah says to Elisha the third time, stay here. God wants me to go to Jordan. And Elisha says, no, you're not getting out of my sight. As surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So they went on to Jordan. And when they get to Jordan, 50 men of a group of prophets come out who watched all this from uh, all this unfold from a distance. And they said, you know what? Hey, God's going to take him. And, and Elisha said, no, no, I heard it too. Because I've got consecration in my life. The rest of that story, just going very quickly over it, Elijah looks at Elisha after this third attempt to see how true he was to his consecration and says, what can I do for you before I'm taken away from you? And you know what Elisha asked for. He said, I want that double portion or that double share of your spirit. And Elijah looks that prophet in the eyes, and he said, you've asked a difficult thing, but if you're watching when I'm taken from you, if you don't lose sight of this, if you will hang on, then you're going to get what you asked for. But if you're not watching, you will not receive it. But we know the story. Elijah was devoted, and Elijah was consecrated. God was the only one who could do the sanctification, but he stayed true to his calling. He refused to be left behind. Can I tell someone that whether we're worshiping in this building or worshiping in our living rooms or dining rooms or maybe in your basement in the corner, I don't care where you're at, you can't afford to allow your devotion and your consecration to slip. It's the before principle. You still want the promise of God. You still got to stay true to what you know is right. Mark chapter 8, reading from the Amplified Version, verses 34 and 35, they'll be on the screen there for you. Jesus said it this way, if anyone wants to be my follower, let him deny himself. Again, not a popular, not a popular idea in 2020. Put aside, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interest. I like how the Amplified kind of draws those things out. And take up his cross and follow me. And it begins to clarify continually, cleaving steadfastly to me. Because if you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it anyway. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you're going to find true life. We know this, church. We know that there's an awesome power that's released when any individual or any group of believers choose, choose to abandon themselves completely to the will of God. When we as individuals lay down our dreams, our desires, our plans in order to pick up God's cause. But that's the choice that must be made in a before principle. Before power can be released, the choice of consecration. Before anointing can be released, there has to be a decision made before. Because consecration is a choice and it will involve great personal sacrifice. But there's a promised land within sight. 
See, the truth is choices always come before action. And we choose before we do. I've never went into, I've never gone into a restaurant and, and said, what's for dinner? I have to look at the menu and I have to make a choice. And then once that food comes, for the most part, I have to live with that choice. Uh, I know I ordered the steak, but I want the chili. They're happy to exchange that, but there is a cost involved. And that, that is true for every bit of the work of God. I've got to wait because waiting is the most difficult and the most ardent part. I've got to make a choice to consecrate myself because my choice to cooperate with the work of God is going to bring that sanctification that's going to deliver that anointing. Because I know and you know that the promise of God is going to work miraculously tomorrow, but it's contingent upon my willingness to consecrate today. The third and the final principle of before is faith. Now, now we, we understand faith, right? I mean, come on, preacher, what's wrong with you? We got faith. We're people of faith. If anybody has faith, we got faith. But yet, what I find is that one of the most misunderstood aspects of faith is that faith has to, on a general realm, happen before the miracle. Otherwise, it's not really faith. If it, if it happens after the miracle, it's not faith, right? And, and at this point, you're looking, at the, you're looking at me on your screen, and I'm going to tell you that dumb looks aren't free. And so when I tell you that faith, I'm not charging for your dumb looks right now. Faith has to happen before the miracle. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus went to some places and he said he couldn't do many mighty works. Why? Because people didn't believe there was no faith there. Because there has to be faith before the miraculous can happen. Do you believe that in the middle of a pandemic and all of the quarantine that God can still do miracles? I do, but it's going to take some faith on the part of the people of God. It means I'm going to have to do the things I don't like to do. I'm going to have to wait. It means that I'm going to have to make the choice to consecrate my life, which I don't always want to do, but I've got to, again, have faith. Before God would part the waters of Jordan, there was a specific condition that had to be met. We call it, it's pretty popular in 2020, a step of faith. Joshua chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. As soon as the priests carrying the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched at its edge. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And the water flowing downstream stood still, rising up in a mass. See, there again is the before principle. God promised that those overflowing currents of the Jordan would be dammed up. They would stop way upstream of where the people of God were, but it required a first step. Those priests that carried the ark had to step into the water. We know this. God's always ready. God's always willing. God's always able to perform the amazing and the miraculous, but the condition hinged upon the faithfulness of the people. Now, it didn't, it didn't hinge on the faithfulness of Joshua. Joshua wasn't out front. It was the people carrying the presence of God. And as they moved forward, as they stepped out in faith, somewhere along the way, God miraculously intervened. But here is the bottom line. Somebody had to get their feet wet before God would act. You see, there's a real transition from provision to promise. 
It's, a, it's miraculous. They've lived in this great place of provision all their lives. They've never wanted for anything. They've never known anything different. And now God is going to, he's going to move them across this barrier into this other place. But somebody's got to get their feet wet. In order for transition to occur, in order for movement to happen, somebody has got to get wet. And so in my mind, this is a, a lot scarier than we might think it was. Because these were desert people. These were people who lived in the wilderness all their life. They didn't live near the Chesapeake Bay or the Patuxent River or the Potomac River. They weren't used to being around big bodies of water. It's not likely that there were very many good swimmers in this group. Can I get an amen? But in order for their nation to cross over, someone would have to get into the water. What are you talking about? I'm talking about this. There's a before principle. You got to wait. That's God's timing. That's God's schedule. We can't do anything about that. Consecration is your choice. The miraculous will not happen in your life until you make that choice. It's not that difficult to really understand. But if, if you really are going to see the miraculous, someone's going to have to step out. Can I put it maybe in this way? There were 12 disciples in the boat the day that Peter got out. They were all wondering if that was Jesus. There was probably a lot of discussion. It's a ghost. It's a, no, it's Jesus. The difference was Peter took a step that the others were afraid to. Somebody is ready to transition. Somebody's ready to move forward. Somebody is ready, and they're looking around, and all they can see is pandemics and, and, and overflowing quarantine and all of the, the rising water that's overflowing its banks. But I promise you, if you take a step of faith, God will do the miraculous. God has shown that to us as a church. We've baptized more people during the pandemic than we did all of last year. Because God says, you know what, if you'll take a step of faith, if you'll stay faithful, if you'll wait on me and consecrate yourself and step out and get into the water, even though it's scary, even though it's uncharted territory, I will stop the flow. The truth is when we operate, when we live in faith, God will always go before us because it's his promise. Moses said this to Joshua and to the people right before his death in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 and 8. Moses called Joshua and said unto him in the sight of Israel, Be strong and be of good courage. Moses understood they were going to need some courage. But here's what he says at the end of that. For thou must go with his people unto the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give it to them, and thou shalt cause them to inherit it. Joshua, you're going to need some courage. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. That is a difficult thing sometimes because all we can see is the terror of the day. All we can see is the issue of the hour. All we can see is, I, I couldn't imagine having been a desert dweller for all of my life, walking up to the Jordan River, which normally is a way to cross the issue. But during, during this time of year, it was overflowing its banks. It was rushing water. It was swift water. It was dangerous current. And somebody, while carrying the ark, while carrying the presence of God, would have to step into the water. Bishop used to tell us this all the time, that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And we know that and we understand that. 
What are you saying, Brother Roberts? I'm saying I'm not worried about pandemics. I'm not worried about overflowing currents. I'm not worried. All of that stuff is just irritation. God still wants to do something mighty in us and through us. God still wants to take the church to an unprecedented place. He still wants living hope to cross over. He still wants to do the miraculous in your life. He still wants to move you from provision into a place of promise, but it's going to take your ability to wait on God. It's going to take your decision to consecrate your life again and still, even though you're not in the building, and it's going to take some risk. Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 14, and I'm paraphrasing the first couple of verses there. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. What is he saying? He's saying exactly what Moses told Joshua. He's going to go ahead of you. I'm going to get there before you so that where I am, you can be too. It's a simple principle. It's a before principle. What what are you talking about? What are you talking about? God wants you to be where he's at. He wants to bless you. We read it every week. We read it every service. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed coming in and going out. I'm I'm overflowing with blessing. And sometimes we're just saying the words and it's not happening in our lives because the principle is the reality is I've got to wait on God. But my human tendency is to push. My human tendency is to move things myself. I'll get out of the way. I'll make something happen. That, that's great in a dangerous situation. But this is not that. God wants you to wait and renew your strength because he knows when you make a decision and I make a decision to consecrate ourselves, that choice to participate in his work of sanctification, he can begin to build power and strength and anointing and unity that's going to provision us and empower us to take that risk to step in to waters that we're unsure of and watch him do the miraculous. What does it mean? What does it look like? It means what, what, I take the risk of giving generously. Then, then and only then can I discover that I can truly trust God to take care of me. But I got to get my feet wet first. What do you mean? That might mean the old-fashioned writing a check or going on the website, and it's gonna it's gonna cost me something. I've got to get my feet wet. What are you talking? About? I'm talking about the risk of forgiveness, asking another person to forgive you, asking God to forgive you, confessing my sin. That that's a risk, but I, I've got to get my feet wet. Well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I feel uncertain, but. God's given you a gift, and and you're going to have to risk using that gift at some point. In order to know the joy of being used by God, you're going to have to get your feet wet. I don't know what the risk might be for you. I don't know what it is going to be. I don't know where or what you need to risk, but I know that God's calling the church to get her feet wet. I know that this principle of before, it's just a period of time. It's just a specific period of time. I would have lost my mind to get to Jordan and Joshua walk around the camp and go, all right, y'all, hurry up and wait. Are you crazy? What? I want Moses back. I don't want this. This is, super, this is silly. Joshua, we've been waiting all our lives for this, and there it is. Why can't we have it now? Because God wants to do a work here. I don't know why we can't be in the building. I, I, don't, I don't know. No one knows why. But I know that God's in charge. And I know that God has specific timing. And God has specific purpose.
And I believe that when we come back together, we're going to be stronger than we've ever been. I believe that we can be more united than we've ever been, but it's going to take a choice of consecration. What are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm talking about it's easy to criticize. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to cast blame. It's easy to do any of those things. But it's more difficult to say, you know what? My purpose is to glorify God. My purpose is to magnify him. That's my choice. I'm, I'm participating with the sanctification of God. I'm participating with the mighty work of God because he's preparing me that when we come back together as a body, when COVID is a history, when, when COVID is just an asterisk in a history book and all of life has moved on, there's still going to be a church and it's going to be a glorious church and it's got a purpose and a power before God and it's, it's up to you and up to, up to, up to me. It's so easy to be distracted because you're in your fuzzy slippers or in your recliner or sitting on your couch and you're sipping your iced tea while I'm thirsty right now. It's easy to become, become just, oh, well, you know, it's difficult. I know it is. Ask my wife. I hate worship at my, in my living room. My living room was not intended to be a place of worship. I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable there. But God wants me to take a step. And God wants you to take a step into something we're not comfortable with. It's a simple principle. Where do you need to risk? How is God calling you to get your feet wet? Waiting speaks to God's schedule. Lord, I I sent you my calendar. I sure wish you'd get on my schedule. Consecration addresses our or my personal sanctification and the third step deals with my steps. God wants to do some great things in you and through you, but you've got to understand the before principle. It's God's timing and my choices. I'm not sure what the cloud will look like on Sunday morning, but I wonder if there are some people that would come with purpose I wonder if there are some people that would show up here on a Sunday morning in spite of all that's going on. If you're safe coming, I wonder if you would come and say, you know what, I've waited to be here. I'm ready to be here. But when God's timing is right, we'll be here. And that that same people would come with a consecrated mind, with a choice that I'm going to worship God. It's not going to be fun to worship God in a mask. It's not going to be fun to lift my hands, but I'm going to be in the presence of God, and God's still going to be doing that work. I wonder if somebody would risk an act of faith, believing that the man of God that will be here on Sunday has a word for this church. I want us to pray together tonight as we close. I don't know what God's calling you to, but I know that there is a principle of before. And I ask the Lord to bless living hope as we move forward. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you.